Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music on the air and in your ear. Once again, I'm Martin, and I have with me the king of the casters, Mr. Brett Podcast. And of course, Brett, as always, you get the pleasure of introducing today's guest. That's right. Well, we're really lucky to have on, um, wow, a super talented musician. His, his new album, Keys to the Kingdom, came out February 25th. He is Kenneth Bryan of the Kenneth Bryan Band. Kenneth, how are you? I'm doing good, man. What's happening? Well, you know, we're happy to be talking to you today because uh, we like music and you do really good music. So I think we have something in common. Man, that's great. I'm glad, I'm happy to be on and talk to you guys. And yeah, man, it's uh, I think, you know, especially the last couple of years we've had, the more the more music out there, the better. I mean, you know, get people get people uh, out and, you know, uplifted and moving around and doing what they do again, you know. Oh boy, you couldn't have said, you know, that's so yeah. true. <laughs> it's definitely somebody. I was talking to somebody uh, a couple weeks ago when that album came out, and they were like, you know, man, it's awesome to get this album, man. And they were just saying, you know, it's just, it's good to have something to, you know, to focus on and, you know, just new stuff to listen to. And, and you know, just during the, the, like I said, you know, the last year or so, I mean, you, you realize how much you miss going out, you know, if you're a, you know, a music fan or somebody loves music or, or for us going out, being able to play. And, you know, I mean, I've been doing it all my life and all of a sudden, you know, everything was put on hold last year. And it was like, I had a lot of people, I think a lot of musicians had a lot, uh, had a hard time adjusting to it, you know? So, um, it's nice to be back at it. Oh yeah. No, the musicians, no also the people that you don't think about, you know, the people, oh, the crew, yeah. on the crew. Yeah. Man, Those are the people, yeah. They're, they're, they're troopers. Oh man, you know, all these tours we've done and like those, you know, it's the first people there last leave, you know, like the Jackson Brown song says. And, but man, like I just, all those guys, I know a ton of those guys, the catering people, craft services, the riggers, and they all have families and they're all, you know, just the hardest working people. And all of a sudden they were out and a lot of them got canned, you know, those tours got canceled. And when you're a crew or, you know, like that, you know, you're the sort of the last um, person to get paid anyway. And you're the last person to have, you know, security on, you know, if you have a contract with something, you know, like, yeah. So yeah, man, I was, I was rough on all those folks and, uh, I, and it's and rough on the small clubs, you know, cause they're not just small, but just the independent clubs. And so I'm mean, hopefully this kicks back, you know, and w- hopefully we're all back and everybody's able to do what they do. It's nice to see that when you do festivals, man, and go out and play shows, it's nice to see the same, crew guys and the same stage managers and you know that have been there for years and uh like if you go play in in minneapolis at at, at, uh first avenue there's a guy that's been there for i don't know 30 years his name's conrad and if he doesn't like you you're not coming back (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and you meet him right away like you know he's the guy you meet as you pull in and it's like that relationship is established right then and you know it's just like there's all these guys you know, we get to go out and play and have a, and have a good time and, and do all that. But there's so many things behind the scenes that make it all happen. So, you know, yeah, it was definitely hard on those guys. Just like you guys, and DJs and, and and podcasters and everybody, you know, spreading the word and, and doing all that. It makes everything possible. So I'm just glad we're all back at it. Hopefully we're we're back at it down here in the southeast anyway, one way or the <laughs> other. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so let's talk about keys to the kingdom first off. I mean, you know, you obviously you had a little bit of time here to, to work on it, but uh, but like what went into the production of this album? Well, 
it was interesting. I wrote these songs when I was living in California for the last six years. And I'm from Gainesville and that's the land of, you know, Tom Petty and Bo Diddley. And I mean, we got nine rock and roll hall of fame members from here. You know, there's the guys, all the guys in Petty, uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, two guys from the Eagles, uh, Don Felder, Bernie Ledden, uh, Stephen Stills, like all these, you know, amazing guys from around here. And I didn't really know any of them until I moved out to LA. I got to be around Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers uh, first through Steve Ferroni playing drums with me and then meeting Tom and Scott Thurston. And so after Tom passed away, unfortunately, got to hit everybody really hard. And uh, I had these songs and, uh, you know, Ferroni, the Tom's drummer that was working with me said, uh, Hey, why don't you come over to my studio and I'll, I'll get Mike Campbell to come over here and we'll, we'll, you know, put these songs together. And I was like, Oh, wow. I mean, it's just crazy. You know, Mike's one of my heroes. And so that's what happened. We went over to, Peronis, and we got like the first four or five songs together, what you would call pre-production, if you were being all formal about it. And uh, and so we, you know, I just sat there with Mike and Steve and and, for, and kind of formed the, you know, the I had ideas about what I wanted to do and they helped me. And so then Mike got a gig with Fleetwood Mac, couldn't keep working on the record. And I went and took my, the guys I was playing with, Chris Cano and uh, Brandon Owens. And we went out to the desert in Joshua Tree california out to a studio called rancho de la luna that's owned by dave catching that was in the eagles of death metal and uh queens of stone age and a lot of other bands um mojave lords and they have this really cool studio out there and we went out there and just basically spent a week uh putting these songs down we did them mostly live um in the studio i went back and sang the, some you know some of the vocals but the performances and the instruments you know all the instruments were tracked pretty much live which is how i learned how to do it down here and how i learned to do it from uh johnny sandlin in north alabama that produced all the allman brothers stuff that i worked with for years and uh so we just sort of went at it you know tried to capture the sound of the live band and all the solos are live maybe except for like one somewhere here or there but i mean think almost all of them are live um and just sort of do that whole thing where you just try to like you know really get the sound of the band and then but during, during uh, you know, the whole COVID thing, so, you know, we waited to put the album out. That was before COVID, and we're about to put it out, and then, you know, bam, this thing happens. And, you know, I mean, I think that was the last thing on everybody's mind. So during COVID, we had a lot of time to, uh, you know, mix. And I went back to Alabama, to North Alabama, to Decatur, and mixed with the engineer, Jeremy Stevens, and um, got, to, got it to sound like uh, – like we, uh, you know, like I what I heard in my head because I produced it. And uh, and so, you know, we had the time to, to sit there and, and to do what, you know, we had more time than we usually do to do that. So it was, you know, it worked out really well. You know, you don't want to sit there for weeks and weeks and mix a record. You know, you can get counterproductive. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> it can get like Chinese democracy, Axl Rose, 14 years, you know. <laughs> Uh, you don't want to get into that. I mean, that's not that this, I mean, you know, the guy's a, a genius and everything. Uh, and, you know, whatever you think, I'm the guy's, a, you know, amazing. And, you know, but you don't want to get to that point. Uh, but we we had more time than usual, so we were able to make it. We were make it sound raw, but also have a little bit of the polished sort of thing that I learned working with um, the Heartbreakers out there, the whole Tom Petty kind of sound. And uh, and so, man, I'm I'm proud of it. And I, I, it, sounds, it sounds like I wanted it to sound, you know. 
And that's all you can hope for. I think when you're, when you write songs and, and you record the album to have it come out and it sound like, you know, like what you hear in your head instead of like, Oh, we shouldn't have done this or we shouldn't have put that or, you know, whatever synthesizer or mandolin or, you know, uh, was it didgeridoos uh, on there? So um, I think it, it's pretty, it sounds like the band and it sounds like what I, you know, it feels like what I wanted it to feel like. So. Mm-hmm. How long does it take you to write songs then? Like, do you, do you have the same kind of, um, like, I guess, artistic vision when it comes to writing songs where it's just like, you know, you just want to get it kind of written out or do, or you do kind of labor over the lyrics and then, and then the music so that eventually once you're able to record, you know, that it's as tight as possible. I don't really labor. This is crazy, but I don't really labor over writing. Uh, something will come to me and these days you know you can put it on your phone or you know I used to grab a piece of paper and put it down or, but most of the time i'll get like one line and then basically if you get my advice would if somebody was trying to write would be like you know whatever line you get write it down immediately and then work on it right then uh a lot of these songs i get all at once like um i'll have a i'll get all the lyrics at once in a melody I won't have all the whole song worked out or, you know, the structure of the song, but I'll get some sort of a melody in my head. Uh, and then three, you know, three quarters, if not all the lyrics, like, but you, you have to be kind of tapped into that thing to, uh, uh, to have it happen. You you have to stop doing everything else that you're doing, pull over or, you know, whatever you're doing and, and, and just, uh, cause it'll go away. You know, it comes from somewhere. Uh, and it will go away if you if you ignore it. I think that's like that with any kind of if you're a carpenter or if you're a mechanic or whatever you do, you know what I mean? You need to work on that. Uh, you have that time where, you know, you have to develop what you do. But then after that, it's just sort of. Uh, you know, you have to be tapped into that thing. So I don't have. I'm structured about being on the road and what time we have to do this and where we have to be and da 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 da. But I, I don't. I work best myself at night. I mean, I'm up till I'm one of those people that's up to like four or five in the morning and, and I'm, then I'm up at 10 o'clock. And so, but I, it's just one of those, you know, it works better for me, but I think to get, there's, a, there's, there's different ways of writing songs. When I lived in Nashville, I worked, I wrote Sony ATV publishing for a while and I couldn't really do it the way they do it. They would sit down with three or four guys in a room and, you know, you wouldn't really know them and they would be like, okay, so I was driving over here and on the way over, I saw, you know, a train and da da da, and they would throw out a line and they would want people to like pop more lines in there and come up with the song. And for me, I really couldn't do that very well. I just, I just write about, you know, my life or whatever situations going on or what I see. And, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's more of just a documentation or whatever, whatever's going on at the time, you know, and so, um, but thank God, most of it hits me uh, all at once. Um, and, you know, like I said, melody and lyrics, and then, you know, you can kind of expand upon it later on with the, you know, whatever you've, I, my phone is full of guitar licks and, and, you know, whatever ideas and stuff. And you can kind of remember and search through those later and maybe, you know, hit, hit on something. You write 
extra songs like do you do you kind of write like 15 or 20 songs and then and then work through those and then absolutely, say like these yeah. are the top 10 absolutely um you could probably hear thunder in the background right now we have a big line of storms coming through the south right now we're just just underneath it um so if you hear any big booms that's what that is um, <laughs> it looks like it's all the way up to where you guys are at i mean like pretty i mean just a little bit east of you but these storms now go from like belize to like the last one that hit us was from belize to newfoundland wow i mean i've never seen it i mean these storms are cra- anyway it's crazy man but yeah um the uh i'm sorry what was the what was the question again Oh, I was just, I was just asking about, um, you know, when it comes down to. Oh, extra songs. Yeah, yeah exactly. The extra songs. Man, yeah. Absolutely. Like the, the guys that I grew up, uh, working with, um, Johnny Sandlin in particular, who was like a father to me. He was one of the greatest producers that ever lived and David Bianco and guys I worked with in Nashville. I grew up in that, in the time of, of albums and, you know, you would take your 15 songs you know and 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 then take the 10 of them that really fit together and you know and put them all together as a as an album and you know i definitely have man i've got so many songs i mean i have i have songs on top of songs thank god you know that's a that's a well that's um it's pretty deep and so for this one i had five other songs four or five other songs that i that were like possible contenders to fit on there there and man when i was working with mike campbell uh it's in steve ferroni like so here i just really kind of i've met him before but it's the first time i'm really hanging out with one of my heroes one of the greatest guitar players that ever lived and the guy wrote like half of the petty stuff with tom and he wrote like boys of summer you know with uh don henley and all these you know and he's like okay so what do you got you know (laughs) and i'm like uh man it'd be like playing you know you're you, you know playing baseball or you know whatever hockey or whatever you do and, and you know your your heroes in front of you and they're like okay give me what you the best you know your best pitch your best shot whatever and so it was kind of a trip man and i i hit him with you know this song you like that one and he liked that one and then there were songs you're like eh, i don't know you know what else you got and it's like ah you know that was kind of like a all right i need to work on that one or that doesn't fit with these or, or whatever it is but i think that uh you know, if you don't have a few left over that, you know, that that's probably not a good thing. I mean, you want to, you want to be able to sift through, uh, you know, and, and find what really fits together and what really works for, for the album. And plus, you know, songs that, that go into each other. Well, like when you, you know, so you have these songs and then you have to put them in an order for the album. You got to make sure that they go into each other correctly because you know, how, how they feel and how they fit and, you know, for when, you know, people have vinyl in their hands or they have, Hey, I heard CDs are coming back. I just read some article. I thought it must've been BS. And, and like, you know, it was this 22 year old girl saying, you know, I have 600 CDs and she's sitting there dressed like the early nineties and she's got all of her CDs. And I was like, Hey, awesome. Please come back. You know, like we'll be able to sell music at shows again. And, uh, you know, it's crazy. Like we're all like t-shirt and hat salesmen now, you know, and, uh, we go out with blackberry smoke or skinner or zz top or something and like i have a certain amount of merchandise those guys have like you know it's like going to walmart or something man they got like two semi trucks full of stuff because people don't buy you know cds or you know anymore there's no there's it's all streaming and all that stuff and so 
hopefully that comes back. That would be awesome. Uh, that would be amazing. Plus, it sounds better anyway. But you the, know, it, it, I have good news for you because CD sales did go up for the first time in a dozen years. I just read that. Yeah, 20, you know? yeah like 20% or something, like 19%. Yeah. And, and, and uh, vinyl, you know, vinyl was, was up. But vinyl's a niche thing. I mean, you got, you know, and it's heavy to carry and it, and it breaks. And it's awesome. We all love it. But it's like, it's, you know, not, it's not as, you know, widespread. So, man, that, that's just really great. When I was doing this album, the guy that was working press for me, Mark Pucci in Atlanta that used to work at Capricorn and worked for the Allman Brothers and stuff. He was like, all right, I need you to make a couple thousand CDs. And I'm like, really? I have to make CDs? I mean, <laughs> and, and he was like, yeah, you know, these guys still want, you know, people that I send to in Europe and people that I send to the radio, they still want CDs. And I'm like, so I've used the same guy in Austin, Texas at Affordable Sound since I, I mean, since I've been doing this. And I know his business has been dropping off. So I, I called him and he, and he was, you know, happy to get the call, man. You know, I need to get a couple thousand CDs because we used to be calling him every week. You know, we need another thousand. We need another thousand. And, and uh, so, man, if that came back, that would just be awesome. But I yeah. mean, I, I don't care. Like I'm like, I'm like that about everything. I got the same dentist, same tattoo artist. I got, <laughs> you know, I use the same guys, you know, to do the same dude to do engineering. I got the same guy making the, you know, I just don't, once you get people that are good, I mean, why, you know, why switch them out? So hopefully for my buddy, Mike down in, in Texas, uh, CDs are coming back. Maybe we'll all be rich again. <laughs> Maybe my friends that used to be in huge rock bands will actually like, you know, be able to pay their mortgage. again. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. No oh my kidding. God. I feel bad. I feel bad for those guys, man. They back, you know, 1996, they had 10 million in the bank. Now they have, you know, uh, 10,000 in the bank or whatever. Yeah, well, the way that, you know, these streaming services kind of screw the artists. Oh, it's crazy. You know, it's unbelievable. It's insane. You know, we were getting paid one one-hundredth of a penny. until Now it's like one-tenth of a penny. Uh, I mean, that's a, a big difference, but it still doesn't, you know. So you have to get, oh, just, you know, I had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of plays. I think on 300,000 of play, or streams last year on one album, and I think I made 800 bucks or something, you know. Yeah, I mean, so basically people, these kids growing up are, are treating, I'm 41. So, I mean, if you're 20 years old and you're in a band, you're treating your album as like an advertisement for your band, you know, like, whereas we would be like, okay, I got this album out. Now I can go out there and get my music out and I can live off of it. And, you know, and, uh, you know, if you sold 50,000 records, you could really, you know, you didn't have to be on a major label and you could make it. And, but that's not possible for these kids. They have to try to get on a, a Toyota commercial or something. Mm -hmm. And it's weird, man. I feel, I feel like this very anti-rock and roll for, for people. I mean, it's changed, but when I was growing up, the goal or the cool thing would not to be having, Hey man, I'm just, you know, I mean, I've been, I've had songs in movies and on commercials and stuff, but I didn't try to, I didn't write a song for that. When I was growing up, that would have been like, you know, not, not very cool, you know? <laughs> definitely not rock and roll <laughs> no man it would have been like you know if my buddy was like hey i wrote a song for a car commercial i'd be like what are you like a jingle man or something you know? <laughs> I mean, I, and that's cool like i had a friend in texas that sang like an ice cream jingle and she made a ton of money from that you know bluebell ice cream or something every time it came on she got like money for it and uh well, but i was yeah, just I, thinking uh it's funny because she is the night on the album is yeah the song that I, I i thought to myself that's probably the next one that's going to end up in a TV show or movie or something. Oh, awesome. it almost sounds I hope like that it does. Yeah, I, that would be good, man. I got two songs from the from the album before this 
uh, with Lions coming out in a John Travolta, Bruce Willis movie. It might be out. It's called Paradise City. And that just happened. And also had a, a Blackbird. Some Blackbird was in a show called Bloodline that was on uh, Netflix. And I had one in another movie a while back. And, um, and it's awesome because, you know, it's a way artists can, you know, can make money. But it's not like you, you, you know, I didn't try to do that. It just, it, it's per, you know, I didn't have anybody shopping it. Somebody heard it, liked it. Uh, or the other thing was like I was working with a producer in LA, David Bianco, and this show had used him for other, or network had used him for other things. And I said, well, what do you got that you're working on that's, that's cool that might fit this? And he sent him one of my tracks. And, and so that's kind of cool. You know, that's neat. And a lot of people get, get to hear it and see it. And it's just neat to, you know, I mean, it never wears off where you're, you know, you're watching a show or a movie and then all of a sudden, hey, your song, your buddy's song. Like I was watching Yellowstone and my buddies in uh, Blackberry Smoke goes, oh, man. I said, that better be Blackberry Smoke. Sounds just like them. And so anyway, man, it's just it's neat, you know, um, but it's uh, it's one of the ways that you can actually like, you know, it's hard to do any kind of art, you know, uh, it's hard to make a living it's hard for djs to make a living i mean i just talked to a friend of mine who was a dj for years and now he's got a podcast and i know you guys probably know all about that and and it's like you know if you don't want to play what two companies tell you what to play then you know you're in the you're you know you're basically thrown to the wolves and you you know you got to figure out some way to survive on your own and uh and i know the good news about about is you just put all that stuff out of your head and do what you do you know and keep going and but it is a it's changed a lot for people and it makes me uh it's not cool for the kids man you know i mean guys i know that have been in huge rock bands and done the whole thing and you know okay well you know it sucks kind of sucks for them but kids growing up they never have the opportunity to really like even if you're selling millions of records you're still not making that much money these days and uh that sucks for everybody you know and i don't even know what this is touring touring is yeah, the only touring. place you're gonna make money it is. And now I don't know what your gas is, but I mean, I'm in Florida and we, you know, the, we're in the free state of Florida. I'll just leave it at that. And, <laughs> and our, our gas for the first time in the history of our whole country is it was over $4 the other day. A gallon. Wow. it's back to like three something. When I was living in California, it was six nineteen a gallon. Wow. I mean, and I don't know what is it in, in Canada right now? Uh, it's, well, it's hard to say because we do things by the leader. So, but it, leader, but it is yeah, quite yeah. high. So that's yeah, crazy. Uh, it's it's about 50 cents more a liter than it was, you know, just uh even uh, like three months ago. Yeah, three months ago, yeah. And that it's adds crazy. Up to, that adds up to everybody. I mean, you know, like the buses and the you know, if you're taking a bus out or a van or however you're driving, or you know, you got people with you that I'll be going to do a show in DC and you know, the plane tickets are like or in Maryland and the plane tickets are crazy, you know, you know, and um I don't know, man. So it's just we're in this we're in this era and like if you're any kind of like any kind of artist uh musician or artist or whatever you just have to navigate this stuff and yeah it's very few people i know that don't have to worry about that i mean even the people that are out there all the time but like you said touring is the only way you can really re you know that make make money and that was all put on hold and everything's been canceled three or four times and so thank god it started to get back to to normal i think everybody outside it I went and played Sturgis. I, you know, everything was locked down in California. I said, I'm going to go back to Alabama. I'm going to finish this record. I'm going to go do these shows. I'm going to see what happens. I, you know, I, I, I fully believe uh, people should be as safe as they want to be. And if, 
you want to wear three masks or no masks or get vaccinated or don't get vaccinated. That's your, it's your business, whatever it is. And, but I was like, I'm going to go do this and, and I'm, I'm going to go work. And we went and played Sturgis and there was like a million people at that festival. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was way more than usual, you know, cause everybody was trying, just getting out of where they were from. And there was nobody got sick and there was no fights. And it was, you know, I mean, nobody, you know, got sick more than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And so, and it was a good example of like everywhere we played, they just had a few precautions and it was outside and, and, uh, you know, it can, it can be done, you know? And so, and, uh, of course where I'm from, I mean, it's, you know, it was totally wide open the whole time. And, but it's, you know, people have to feel comfortable about people have different levels of, of comfort and you want your fans and, everything to be to feel good about coming out it's you know it doesn't have to be political you know plus politics stuff is just a huge trap for everybody and but it's you know you want your your audience to come out and have a good time and listen to music and and be taken away from all that stuff they don't and it's hard if they're inundated with all this crazy stuff you know um but you know it's just something that we have to navigate and it's getting, it's been getting better all the time. So, uh, instead of everything getting canceled now, about only half of the things are getting canceled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, exactly. Oh man. And then everything we have going on now with this, uh, situation in, in Ukraine and everything is just nuts, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. It's just one more thing to now. I mean, it's just horrible. It's, it's horrible to see all that. And I think the world thought we were done with, uh, the Napoleonic, uh, Hitler, Alexander the Great type of people, but we're never going to be done with that. And so now we have to deal with that as well. So, yeah, and that's for sure. Yeah. Boy. Can't so how fast this half hour has gone here. Right? Oh, I mean, man. It's, it's like a conversation with you. It's not like we're asking any questions. We're just talking. <laughs> man, that's how I like to do things. And, you know, and then at the end of it, my manager goes, Hey, you're supposed to mention your uh, new record, Peace <laughs> to the Kingdom, that just came out February 25th five times. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't really do that. It's not anybody that knows me knows that this is, I'm like this with a, with you guys or the president or a homeless dude or I'm just, it doesn't matter, man. It's just, it's, I love, I still love playing music like I did when I was 11 years old when I started. And I'm just thankful to be doing it and, and thankful to have the, interest and you know people they'd be able to make it have made a living doing it for years and years and it's just such a great thing man so well and it's and, and that's what we love too right i mean oh, like, yeah like we're we may not be musicians ourselves but we're fans of music and it's just and it's just good music is good music so let's talk about good music and let's listen to good music that's absolutely that's absolutely man um well yeah man i mean so uh you, I mean, reach out if there's anything, you know, especially if we get up that way. Uh, man, it was funny. We were on tour with Lucinda Williams uh, about five or six years, I guess about six years ago, and we were supposed to go up and play, I think it was Massey Hall. But this is kind of hilarious. I won't get into the whole thing, but if anybody's ever been arrested or, <laughs> or for anything, you know, you have to pay at the border like $300 a charge for them to do the paperwork. And we were like, I was like, uh, I don't want to get into everybody's, but I'll just get into mine and uh, I'm going to have to pay like $3,700. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, and so it was going to, we, we were getting paid like, you know, a thousand dollars to open up this show and it would have cost us like $8,000 to cross the border. <laughs> and so hopefully we get to come back up to Canada th this year, next year soon, man, and not have to deal with any of that stuff. Cause that man, you got us <laughs> a great, 
great country. Like I always love playing there and I have friends up there and just, it's just, you know, it's just a cool place, man. I love to get back, especially the part of the country you're in, you're in up there. It's just beautiful prairies and all that, man. It's just awesome. Yeah, we're so, lucky. We got the prairies. We got the mountains. We got it all that way. You know, big yeah, lakes, you do, so. man. You need to stay yeah. wild. I'm trying to find <laughs> that development coming in down here in the swamp where I'm from, and stay wild. You know, and don't let anybody take your land yeah, away. Absolutely, for absolutely. sure. Yeah, yeah man. One of the things actually I wanted to ask, you know, is like, I mean, you talk about where you recorded the album, but like all the of all the different studios that you've recorded in, like, what are some of the different like feelings you get? Like, like, are they do they all have different sounds? Do they all have different vibes and that kind of thing? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Like when you hear old records, you know, you know where they're recorded. Like if you hear an old Elvis or Johnny Cash or Jerry Lee Lewis record and you know it's Sun Records because they didn't have reverb. They had one little tiled room that made the reverb or there's my friend johnny Sandlin that where i recorded welcome to alabama and a lot of my other albums i just redid his studio in north alabama and it has it's in a guest house and it's been converted out it just has a specific sound like like i don't know what it is if it's just johnny's spirit or whatever it is but it just has this vocal sound that's very clean and and, and but but pushed at the same time and out in the desert everything was very kind of raw and it's, you know, like, I think take things take on the environment, you know, like down here, man, like it just rained and thundered and it's like 100% humidity and, you know, and it's it's 85 degrees and and the, it sounds like it. Leonard Skinner sounds like that. You know, the blues that came out of Bama and Mississippi and, and Florida and the country stuff, they all have that feeling. And the stuff that came out of California sounds lighter because of the desert. And, and so I think everywhere, like, the, the studios definitely but even like the uh you know the environment you're in like you know it just it it definitely adds to especially vocal and guitar sounds you know um i remember when i first moved out to california i was living out close to where we recorded this and it's like you know 10 percent humidity in the mojave desert and i've been plugging my les paul into a tweed pro and it should have been thick as just you know molasses and it was like, where's the bottom end? You know, and it's because, wow, there's no water in there. There's no, you know. And so all these places have a different, have a different sound. And, you know, a lot, if I go into a, a recording studio and it's like, it feels like a dentist office, I'm not going to work there. I mean, it's just, you know, it's got to have a good feel and a good vibe. But, you know, it doesn't have to be a little, a little place. I mean, I worked at Capitol Records a little bit. Um we did some mastering there when I was living in LA and there's something magical about that place too, man. I mean, that, that ever echo chamber where, you know, Frank Sinatra and that King Cole and Gene Vincent and all these people sang in there and it's got its own, you know, vibe to it too. That I don't know. You can do it from anywhere. It just needs to feel right. You know, it needs to have, you need to have a, if, if you're going for the Rancho de la Luna vibe, like where we recorded this record, you need a lot of, uh, candles a lot of billy gibbons stuff uh, a lot of baby doll heads um <laughs> you need to, you need a picture of a baby from the thrift store that somebody painted an oil uh, a beard on a big long beard you know just stuff like that to make you feel comfortable um but i think it's just you know you can do it from anywhere but it's just got to feel like somewhere you can be you you know is so, there any studio that you kind of i don't know it's your dream studio to record it Man, I've recorded in a few uh, that I really, uh, 
already that I that I wanted to. I'd like to do a whole record at Capitol in in L.A. I was going to do this record there, and I'm working at the beginning of it with Steve Ferroni and Mike Campbell. You know who have all they you know Tom Bay and the Heartbreakers have recorded everywhere, and they ended up like converting out their clubhouse that was full of Florida Gators stuff, and you know and putting a studio in there. That's where they did their records. So I'm going. I'm going, hey, guys, you know, we could go down to Capitol and Mike Campbell looks around Steve Ferroni's little tiny studio with just stuff everywhere. And he goes, I don't know, man. Sounds pretty good in here. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I don't know. I would like to do a, I'd like to do a whole record at Capitol. That may happen um, maybe with the next one. I'd like to do it old school and do uh, an, an album all on tape um, somewhere like that you know at sun records i'd like to go to sun records i've recorded at most shows a little bit not with my own stuff but doing sessions um and then you know a bunch of really cool places in nashville um fry pharmacy was a really cool place and uh blackbird and i don't know you know it's uh i think probably capital would be you know i'd like to do that because it's a amazing historic beautiful place but it's got a cool it's got a vibe that i like and everybody that works there is cool it's not stuffy at all and it's not you know it's just you run into paul mccartney or bruce hornsby or spike lee or whoever in the hallway but it's very like super laid back and everybody's doing like really cool stuff in there so that would be that would be really neat that'll probably happen at some point <clears throat> so yeah, it's always so fascinating when I when I hear the stories from and because I read a lot of music books as well. And, and it's just yeah. the, this whole concept of like, so anyways, I was in the studio and, you know, like you say, Paul McCartney, yeah. whatever, just Man. next door. But uh, we were OK. So here's the here's the capital story. Like my buddy plays guitar with Paul McCartney, Rusty Anderson, really great guitar player. And. So he was, we were at Capitol and I said, you know, Paul McCartney happened to be there that day. We never ran into him, but we ran into like, you know, like I said, Bruce Hornsby and Spike Lee at the same time. <laughs> and, and, and we were talking, we were, my buddy who was playing with me, who's like, kind of likes to take pictures of famous people a little too much for me, but he wanted to get a picture, you know? And so and Bruce Hornsby was like sticking out his tongue in every picture or making a funny face, <laughs> or, you know, making sure we couldn't, making sure we couldn't get, get a picture of him. And he said, man, let me tell you, last time I was in here, I ran into Paul McCartney. I said, oh, wow, that's crazy. He goes, he's here today, but I haven't seen him. And there's this picture of Gene Vincent, the rockabilly singer, is one of my favorites. And he's there with his band. And they all have the same, like, uniform kind of on. his Gene Vincent and the blue caps. And it, it looks like one of those pictures where you're trying to find the sailboat because it looks like Gene is, like, hidden in the picture. And he said he walked up on... Uh, Paul McCartney was staring at this picture and he didn't want to say anything because, you know, it's like Paul McCartney. He didn't want to say, you know, walk up to him and bother him. And then he said, but about five minutes later, he walked up and Paul was still staring at this picture. And he finally said, Hey, how you doing? He goes, Hey, he said, uh, what are you looking at? And he said, well, I was looking at uh, this picture and I, 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 I got to tell you, I can't find Gene's legs. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, what? And he said, I, I, I I can't find his legs. <laughs> and he was like, what do you mean? And he started looking at the picture and it's one of these pictures that's in the hallway. It just looks, it's trippy. I mean, it looks like the guy's just floating or something, you know, really he's like kind of melting in the background, but, but uh, you know, it's one of these, I mean, where else can you get a story like that? You know, Bruce Hornsby walks up and tells you about running into Paul McCartney, trying to find Gene Vincent's legs in a picture, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, that's like something in a movie you wouldn't believe, you know? So oh, I don't absolutely. know, man. 
it's it's a cool that's a really cool place i'd love to record there there's so many i mean people have great studios now everywhere like in nashville there was one street called boscobel and it you know it was like my friend i had three friends that had had studios on that one little street in east nashville and that was 15 years ago you know and so i don't know you can do it from anywhere but it's cool when you have a a great room and and a producer that you really respect and you know that's kind of been lost with everybody just making records from their basement or you know in their living room or whatever you know you need quality control you need somebody to tell you ah, well, maybe that song's not it or maybe you need to do that solo again or whatever oh yeah absolutely now you've got a 52 less ball right i do is uh, that the same kind of feeling like with with the, with the guitar as it is with the people that you work with where it's just like you know there's a comfort level so why change man absolutely i mean I play, I grew up playing a, like a really bad Strat copy. And then I got into playing Telecasters, B-Bender Telecasters and stuff. And I started playing Les Pauls and had a few of them, but then I got this one and it's a 52 Les Paul. It's so early. It doesn't even have a serial number, but it was sent back to Gibson in 1959. And what they did was uh, the guy had broken the headstock back then. They didn't repair the headstock. They just put a whole new neck on it. So in 1959, it got a new neck. And it got a sunburst finished. And uh, and so it has it's it's basically like a you know 59 less Paul that I didn't pay five hundred thousand dollars for, <laughs> you know, because there's no way. I mean, there's just no way I, I see, you know, our heroes all had those guitars, Dwayne mm-hmm. Allman and Peter Green and stuff, but they didn't pay five hundred thousand dollars for them. I mean, I remember talking to Johnny Salen about Dwayne buying his last Les Paul and Dwayne paid five hundred dollars for it, and Johnny said, five hundred dollars, what are you crazy? you know and so i think that you know these instruments just sort of find you and that guitar i play 95 percent of the time i I also have i also have a um i talk about studios my friend just rolled up that owns a studio crazy (laughs) um um, man uh these guitars just sort of find their their way to you and like i said that one i play 95 percent of the time and uh and it's uh, I have an I play also James Trussart guitar is a guy a French guy that makes uh, the guitars in L.A. They're sort of Les Paul style guitars, but they have um, like engraved steel, like alligator skin steel on them. And they're just amazing guitars, too, man. I take those guitars on tour a lot and I play a lot of slide on those. And uh, but, man, I don't know. I have an old Birdland 57 Birdland short scale, like arch top. But that one Les Paul that I have is just i don't know man it's just got something that no other guitar i've ever played has and i know it's all right because billy gibbons tried to buy it off me and mike campbell tried to buy it off, <laughs> off me and i was like and i like mike was like eh, i give you 50 bucks for it you know but no he i mean you know it's all right when those guys are trying to get it off you and i like all that guitar red cloud because of the way it looks and and it's just got something that none of them have ever had you know and it's got it's a 52, but like I said, it's, you know, refinished in 59 and it's got real PAFs in it. And then, you know, the whole thing. And, you know, there's something about that era of Gibson from 52 to, to 62 that is just magical in some kind of like a Stradivarius way or something. They had some magic crop of wood or something. And so I think it's just, uh, 
when you find something that works for you, man, I mean, I play that like this last record on keys of the kingdom. I probably plug that guitar into an old tweed pro amp that I have from 1949. And that was, that was, you know, 90% of the sounds on that record, you know, and I used a James Trussard on a few, on a couple songs. And I used a Telecaster on a couple songs and a Marshall, but pretty much I just plugged that guitar or something very similar to it into an old Fender Tweed Pro amp and just turn it up and I'll boost it for a solo. And that's about all I do. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, you know, I, I mean, I, again, I love guitar documentaries and stuff like that. So seeing all the people and their guitars and just, and just the things that like that they built out on them or whatever. I mean, it's amazing what you can do and, and yes, how they Absolutely. all sound so different and that you just look for different things. It's man, it's funny that like some people need it. Some people go with the, the approach of like, you know, I'll have one of everything and, and, and I can use whatever I need whenever I need it. And I'm the exact opposite. I can't, my brain doesn't work with, if I have 50 stomp boxes to look at, I'm not going to step on any of them. <laughs> I, I can't, I got to like go up there and play and be a band leader and, and sing the songs and also play the guitar and the lead guitar. And so it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I think a lot of, especially in rock and roll, I think limitation is your friend. You know, if you have, if you have to make, cause you can take a, you know, a Telecaster or a Les Paul and you can make any sound you need to make with it. You know, you can turn it up or turn it down or use the tone control or whatever to make it sound, you know, powerful or twangy or, you know, jazzy or whatever you need to do. And, you know, you don't, you don't need 50 different things to do that. I mean, it's a, the, the greatest players I think out there that we all grew up listening to, uh, you know, all, they all did that. They all had, you know, Neil Young's been playing the same guitar 54, you know, Les Paul forever in that one tweet at, you know, deluxe. I mean, and, you know, uh, Dwayne Allman, I mean, there's all these guys that they just, they've got their sound and, and, the, and that's it, you know, and it's kind of cool to have that, you know, you know what you like. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys are married or you get, you know, you know what, you know, you like your girlfriend, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 you love right. your wife or whatever. You better say you love your wife, whatever it is, you know, but you know, you know, you know, that, that, that's the right thing for you. And, you know, and, and it's, it's sort of that, that way with, with music, I guess there's people that need 50 guitars or 50 girls, but I, I don't know, man. I think just, you know, what you're, you know, uh, you just need to feel comfortable doing what you do and, and not have, you know, too much going on, you know, and it makes it easy on the road too. I mean, it really makes it easy. So. Yeah, no doubt. But yeah. And, and I think that, I mean, it's so, I think that's what comes through in your music in keys of the kingdom, right. It's just that, that like, it's that easygoing, you know, knowledge of what you're doing and just, you know, just a, a confidence in what you do. Absolutely, man. I mean, I think you get that from you know working with these guys that were you know being around people that are better than you i mean i i when i moved i moved from gainesville to nashville when i was uh 20 years old and i was surrounded by players that were way better than me i mean all these country and jazz and rock guys that were just like the best and they never missed a note and never missed a lick and and being around those guys and having to step up the game and then being around great producers 
over the years um, and learning from them and great engineers. And you just, the, you kind of, after a while, you know, kind of know what you're doing. And if you don't, you just do what they did. And, uh, and it's just, you know, you get to that level of, of, of comfort, like, and just, you know, I just love it. I mean, I love being able to step out there. You don't have to think about anything, you know, you know who you are, what you're going to do. And, you know, I, I have friends that, uh, that sort of have an act, you know, that they, they have a, a thing that they do that's, they're either in metal bands or they're in, uh, uh, you know, they, they do, they have dressed a certain way or whatever it is. And I always thought that would be, um, it would be hard for me to do, um, to, to have to be somebody else when I was on stage or, you know, put on a, you know, put on a, some sort of a costume or what mask or whatever it is, it would be really hard for me. I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could do that. Um, not knocking that. I just don't think personally I could, I couldn't do what, you know, couldn't be comfortable to do my thing doing that. So, which is probably a blessing and a curse. So. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that it's so much that everybody wants to put somebody, a label on somebody, say that this type of music or put, put them in this box and then this, and your music, you can't do that. <laughs> Man, absolutely. And, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me that I needed to, you know, uh, especially like music business people, well, you should do an all this album or all that album or you should do it you know it's like well you know where i come from all that stuff is all mixed together man you know country and blues and jazz and rock and and bluegrass and you know gainesville growing up in, in gainesville there would be a, a a country rock band and a reggae band and a death metal band all playing you know on the same you know in the same part of town and so i mean it's like you know it music is music and like you're saying you know if something hits you right I, I remember there was a, I think it was a Greg Allman interview when, when they started calling it Southern rock back in the day and they didn't really, Allman brothers didn't really like that. They were like, yeah, I mean, we're from down South. Those guys were all from Florida and, 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 uh, but a couple of them, you know, one, one drummer was from New York and the Barry had moved down here the, from Chicago and they were like, well, we're not exclusively Southern. And it, you know, we just happened to be coming at, we're from Florida and we're, at, you know, coming out of Georgia and, and he said, we didn't really like it until we went into the record store and we had our own category. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he said, and people could go right to that, you know, part of the record store and go, oh, here's the Allman Brothers and, you know, Skinner and, you know, the Outlaws and all these other bands, Blackfoot. And, and he said, then we were like, oh, okay, you know, this is kind of cool. But, <laughs> all, but that thing in itself, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, everything, the mixture of things is what makes it cool. It's what makes you know, jazz cool. It's what makes bluegrass cool or, you know, rock and roll is, you know, blues and, you know, country music stuck together and shook up and turned up, or, you know, it all came out of our third world country down here in the Southeast. And, you know, it's just a, I don't know, man. It's, I don't think, uh, if, you know, I couldn't, I don't think I could write an album and just say, I'm just going to do a Americana album or I'm just going to do a whatever, you know, a, a straight rock album i think it's just all mixes together for me man so well and that's that's all we ask because i don't i mean like martin mentioned earlier i mean we love the album and and it's great and and just you know your your vibe and your music all together is wonderful and so i know we just thank you for being on the show and uh, before we let you go, we want to give you the chance to promote um, you and your album and do those things that your management wants you to do. Yeah, right. Uh, well, I mean, you can get 
this, you know, the new album Keys to the Kingdom just came out last month. It's doing really good. And you can get it anywhere you get music. I mean, you know, if you get your music on iTunes or Amazon or Apple Music or or whatever, you know, you can get it all there. And uh, you can order the CD from my website, KennethBryanBand.com, or you can uh, get vinyl here soon. And just, you know, get on there and check to see when we're going to play where you're at and come out and see us. Because that's what we really love to do is play and, and meet everybody and, and just be out and having a great time, you know. So I don't know, man. It's just I'm glad to be back at it that everybody's, uh, you know, back playing music and people are out, able to go out and have a good time. So for sure. Well, I know that Thank uh, you for the easiest interview ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I got, I, I've got uh, my 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 mom's uh, gift of being able to. Yeah, gift of gab, I guess. So, um. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. We love it, and, uh, and honestly, I hope that uh, besides the fact I, I want like we'll talk to you again, but uh, I hope we get a chance to talk uh, in person sometime because that would absolutely, be absolutely, awesome. man, absolutely. I love to come and play up there somewhere close. You guys come out, and, and uh, I'll definitely reach out and let you know. That'd be awesome. Wonderful. Well, Kenneth Ryan, um, fantastic. Keys to the Kingdom. I urge everybody to go and listen to it, find it, buy it, um, support you because uh, it's wonderful music. And so thank you very much for being on the show and we wish you all the best. Yes, man. If you'll excuse me, I got to go listen to Falling Again again. For like all right. That's what I want to hear. That one's doing good. <laughs> the title track's right. doing good too. Keys to the Kingdom, man. So that's going. Yeah. Well, man, thank you for having me. And uh, anytime, man. Awesome. Thank you. All, all. right. Thanks a lot. See you. Okay.